When you tell the story of the feeding of the multitudes or the feeding of the 5,000, each gospel writer is going to include their own unique voice or a nuance into it that kind of tells the story. And so while we can look at some of the interesting differences, one of the things that really sticks out, that sticks out to me as I look at all four stories is what they share in common. What does Jesus do when he says, bring me that stuff? Bring, bring the bread and the fish. Bring that stuff to me. And then now he begins to do this miracle. Now, all four writers say that he does the same thing. They use the same verbs. And so when I see that, that kind of sticks out to me. And I don't know if you've noticed how much of our lives, you know, are routine or we have habits in our lives. We've got, right, kind of normal, regular habits. We've got some bad habits too. But think about your day and just how often you just tend to do the same thing over and over and over again. And so in our spiritual lives as well, there are habits or what we could call spiritual disciplines that we do as God's people that can help us grow in our relationship with God. In fact, we are called Methodists, right? And at first that was a derogatory term against John Wesley and his crew because right, they were making fun of them. They said, oh, there go the Methodists because John Wesley at the very beginning of this movement believed that there was a method. You got it? Catch that word? that there was things that you could do. We would call them spiritual disciplines. We call them holy habits. He would call them a means of grace. Things that we would do, that we could do every day, that would help us grow in our relationship with God. Some of them are going to be individual. Some are going to be communal. Some focused on the inner life. They call that the life of piety. And others focused on the outer life which he called the works of mercy. And all of these things, they said, you can do some of these things, individual, communal, uh, inner, outer, that would just continue to be a part of your routine, your daily habits, your holy habits, your spiritual disciplines that would help you grow in your relationship with God. And for me, when I look at this story, the feeding of the 5,000, I see when Jesus does this in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, when he just kind of does the same thing, you see a pattern in his ministry when, when he takes bread. And I wonder if that is a new routine for us. Let's look again at just some of the verbs here. And he says, when he takes the five loaves and the two fish, he looks up to heaven, he gives thanks, he breaks them, and then he gives them to the disciples. Those are the consistent things that Jesus does in all four stories about the feeding of the multitudes or the feeding of the 5,000. I've already shared with you a little bit about how Jesus looks at things differently. He changes our perspective. When we see the impossible in front of us, we would look inner, right? We would see what we don't have. And when Jesus takes the bread, he looks to heaven. He changes his perspective. He changes ours as well. So I wonder, how is it that you can build into your daily routine a way to look in a different way? And so when we look to heaven, you know, Jesus kind of looked up at the sky. I know sometimes in our prayer life, you know, we kind of have the Hail Mary prayers, you know, or we, we kind of look up and say, God, you know, help me out here. Uh, or we kind of have this kind of, you know, pie in the sky faith. We just kind of like, God, you're kind of up there somewhere. And, and that's not really what 
what we're, we're about. When we look to heaven, we just don't kind of look in the sky in wishful thinking. We look to the one who resides in heaven. And so our hope is found in the one who sits on the throne. And yes, we may not know exactly where it is, but I bet heaven's probably a little bit closer than what you think. See, I would encourage you to just think about how you can change your perspective at times, to look at something in a new way. For those of you that have glasses or have, have you know, contacts, maybe every day when you put those glasses on, you could say a simple, humble prayer like, Lord, help me see people like you see them. Yeah, I don't wear glasses, so I got to think of a different way. And every day to say, Lord, I want to look at something differently. I want to see things from your perspective. I want to look with the eyes of heaven and just not with my own eyes. And Jesus then gives thanks for the bread. He, he looks differently, and then he gives thanks. And we, we kind of get this. Jesus, you know, does this often. This is kind of what we do as well. Whenever there's food in front of us, we always kind of give thanks or we say a word of grace. You know, the, the family grace at our table is, dear Jesus, thank you for this food. Amen. I think that captures everything, right? It, it kind of does. And we just kind of got this kind of rhythm and pattern down. You know, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. I don't know if that's your, that might be your family prayer. But we're in a season now of thanksgiving. It's kind of, you know, we, we know that we should be thankful in all things, as scripture would say, or thankful every day. Some people actually do what they call the November challenge, which is every day. Have you ever done this? Anybody done this? Every day in November, you name something that you're thankful for. It's just kind of a, a monthly focus of gratitude for people that says, you know, in this month of Thanksgiving, I just want to be a thankful person. And so Jesus gives thanks. In just a little while, right, we're going to have an opportunity to give thanks at Thanksgiving. It's going to be probably a little bit different maybe than the Thanksgivings in the past because of COVID this year. But there's still this spirit of what is it that we do when we gather at Thanksgiving? It's, it's certainly a day to be reminded for what we have. But here's the challenge with Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but most days I don't have 17 sides. Did you ever notice that? I mean, I don't know what's up with the yams, but it's like, hey, it's Thanksgiving. We have to have yams. What are those things? I don't, but you know, we've got so much on a day where we often just give thanks for what, what we already have. I mean, in my family, we like just, we put it all on one plate. You know, I, I just like to take it all 17 sides and I like to, I, I don't mind if my food touches and I just throw it all on one plate and I grab a stalk of celery, you know, because they got the celery in the olive tray. Do you got your family do that? And I take the celery and I stick it right there in the middle and I use it as like a gravy funnel. I just pour it right in. Now, the first Thanksgiving that we had at the Smith family with, with my, you know, fiance, with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. You remember that, honey? Yeah, so she doesn't like her food to touch. Any, any of you crazy people out there like that? She, so she had 17. It wasn't 17 plates. It was 17 plates. So we go and, you know, we, we the Smiths, we're piling it all up and we're throwing the gravy on it. She's like, can I have another plate? Like, what do you need a plate for? Are you that hungry? And she's like, no, my cranberries have to be on that plate. And the cranberries can't touch the mashed potatoes. Right? True story. True story. <laughs> so, so this, I mean, this is what we do. We, we fill up our plates. And then, of course, we've got 17 desserts, of course, you know. 
we, and then we're like, let's be thankful. Here's what Jesus shows us. Here's what we should be thankful really about. He's only got five loaves and two fish. You'd think that we would right, give thanks at the end, that after everyone, the multitudes, here comes the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. Wow, we should be thankful for the abundance. So in the day of abundance, we should still be reminded that it's Jesus who gives thanks for the simplicity or even in the scarcity of the moment. When the impossible was in front of him and his disciples, he says, bring me that bread, and he gives thanks for that. It was only five loaves and two fish. You can give thanks, even on a day of abundance, to be rem reminded, look, every day, even if we don't have 17 sides on our meal, or we may not have enough, we should be thankful I think it's easy for us to be reminded that we should, you know, look with the eyes of Jesus or that we should be thankful in all things, even if we feel like we may not have enough to solve the impossible. It's this third one, though, that's challenging, and that's when he breaks the bread. This is a consistent thing that he does. And I'm reminded that brokenness is part of our lives. And it's not fun, is it? No one really celebrates the concept of brokenness. But I don't know about you, but I find that people tend to see Jesus most clearly in moments of brokenness and hurt or what we call wilderness experiences. Sometimes we can be living our lives and we're doing our thing. And, and honestly, we could be doing kind of so well at this thing called life that we could start to believe that, you know, we don't really need God. You know, I'm doing just fine by myself, thank you very much. But it's in those moments when we are hurting or when we're struggling where we're reminded to say, oh, I don't have an, enough strength, do I? That there is one who cares about me, who has my best interest at heart, of whom I can trust, that wants to walk with me and help me and support me and that his spirit can comfort me and come alongside of me. We're reminded in those moments of where God is. And we can see Jesus in the brokenness. In the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, his disciples on the way to Emmaus, you remember this story on the walk to Emmaus? Jesus comes along, a group of disciples that are walking down the road, and they don't recognize him. He, you know, he's there, and I don't know, you know, if he's wearing a different robe or, or what is going on, but they just, they just don't recognize him. Now, he's walking with them, and then he starts talking with them. And they don't even recognize his voice. Then they stop and they say, come on, let's have a meal. And here's what happens. He took bread. He gave thanks. You see the pattern? He broke it, right? And he's going to give it to them. See the pattern? Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> what an interesting. Then they say, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us along the road and opened the scriptures to us? What a fascinating story. He shows up, they, don't rec they recognize him when he takes bread and he breaks it. Did he have like a specific brand or something, that, like a certain behavior? What did, did he market this thing? Did he trademark it? What is going on where they say, that's Jesus? It's because we recognize Jesus better in the midst of brokenness. Jesus takes the bread, he breaks it, and they see him. And look, I know it's not fun, but I wonder if every day we might be able to say, even if we're in a period of brokenness, God, how can I 
really recognize you? How do I acknowledge you? How do I really see you as being present in the midst of this, in the midst of this brokenness? I mean, the truth is that when we give our lives away, this thing that we call surrender, it's kind of hard. There is a breaking involved. You see, Jesus struggled with it a little bit himself too in the Garden of Gethsemane when he had to think about his will. He says, God, could you, Father, could you remove this cup of suffering? Could you take this cup from me? Could there be another way? Yet not my will, but thy will be done. And in the brokenness of sin that he takes on on the cross and the brokenness of darkness and the hurt in the world, we're made whole. We're made whole through brokenness. So then why, when we go through challenging situations or brokenness, emptiness, periods of our life, wilderness experiences, would we then feel the way we feel? It's actually in those moments where we might see and recognize the best. So for all those that feel like you're in that period right now, I'm sorry, it's not fun. But maybe this is when we can see. Maybe that's our prayer to say, in the midst of this brokenness, Lord, how can I recognize you and what you're doing, what you're teaching me? Instead of asking the question, why, maybe we might ask what. Instead of saying, why is this happening to me? We could say, Lord, what do you want me to see in the midst of this hurt and in this pain? And the good news is, friends, you're not alone with this. We all go through seasons like this. And we're here for each other as the church, that in your brokenness and pain, we can come alongside of you and with one another and walk and to heal and to help each other. So Jesus reminds us that we are to be broken. Maybe our prayer today would be something like, would you break my heart over the things that would break yours? Right? And Jesus then gives. He gives the bread to his disciples. Now imagine that you're in the crowd of the 5,000 plus, and you know, you maybe showed up late. Maybe you're, you, know, you got the cheap seats, you got the nosebleeds of this event. Now we can imagine the first couple hundred, we're not sure how people sat, but could you, could you think that people all the way at the back of the crowd, do you think they were able to really see what was happening? Could they see what Jesus is doing when he takes the five loaves and the two fish? Or do they just see, here comes a disciple that has a basket of bread. It says here, Jesus says, he does the miracle, right? Remember, Jesus is the one who does the miracle. We understand that. But yet he still places it into our hands. He places the miraculous into our hands so that we might share it so that we might give it as well. Look, we're created in the image of God, and we know that God gives, for God so loved the world that he gave. You get this, right? The truth is, is that if we're created in the image of God, we are created to give, yet we are tempted to keep. We're created to give, but we are tempted to keep. So when he gives it to the disciples, they could have been like, I'm not sharing this basket. I'm just going to keep it for myself. Or they have an opportunity to go and you know, imagine the crowd of 5,000. I'm not sure how big the basket was, but they had to give and they would maybe have to come back and get some more and give some more. We're not sure how the logistics of all the miracle happens other than Jesus places the miraculous into our hands 
and he wants to continue in this generosity of giving in us. And then here's what happens. When the disciples give it to the crowds, they're invited as well into this beautiful model of generosity and giving because they just didn't take everything for themselves. They took what they needed and they passed the basket down the row. We're not sure what happened, but at the end of it all, everyone was able to eat what they needed to eat and there were still leftovers. So they were able to not keep it for themselves, but to enjoy and yet share. Take or receive and yet give. For as we have so freely received, we should freely give. So why, why do we do this? It's because this is the heart of God, that we are generous, that we have not only received, but that we should also give. What, what into your daily life, into your pattern, can you build a heart of generosity that comes from thanksgiving, that comes from brokenness, right? I think generosity flows from all of these things. It flows from seeing things in a different way. And it flows from a heart of thanksgiving, even if there's only five loaves and two fish versus the baskets of leftovers. It flows from giving thanks in the midst of the scarcity. And it comes through brokenness. God, would you continue to break me down so that I don't believe that everything that I have comes from my own strength or my own will. Break me down so that I might give so that I might be generous, so that I might be able to share that wonderful mercy and grace and forgiveness and all the wonderful things that God places into our hands. You might be the only Bible that someone reads today, and they'll see who Jesus is. As the crowd, the 5,000 people, they may not have been able to see him all the way at the front, but they see the wonders and the signs and the miracles of God as Jesus places it into your hands and you give it away. They'll see Jesus through you. That's why Jesus says, you are the light of the world. People will see your good deeds and praise not you, but your Father in heaven. Let your light shine so that people see those things and praise your Father in heaven. We're created to give, yet tempted to keep. So I don't know if we just need a new pair of glasses or we need to remember that in the simple things of life we're called to give thanks, or maybe we need to be broken down, or maybe we need to be open-handed and generous today. What are those things that today you can do it? You can take these verbs and you can see Jesus in the midst of it. You can practice these daily routines, these holy habits of spiritual discipline. What would it look like to not just have your prayer and Bible reading or something as part of a spiritual discipline, but to say, I want to look in a different way. I want to give thanks in a different way. And I want to understand that brokenness can be part of life, but it's where I recognize Jesus in the midst of it and how even generosity might be a daily thing. God places into your hands what will solve the impossible. And I wonder... If we don't see the wonders of God as much because we just keep it for ourselves. When the whole time Jesus says to give it away. Let us pray. Today, Lord, we look. We give thanks. We break. 
we give. I pray that when you invite us to do these things, to live, to act, to move in these ways, that we might say yes. We might say yes to be able to give or to give thanks, to have our spirits break, and for you to mold us as clay in a potter's hand, or Lord, that we might look with a different perspective. I pray that we might say yes, because you'll show us what life is all about. You'll show us how to solve that impossible right in front of us. As we give it away, as we say yes, be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.